if you would stand with me together as we turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read beginning at verse 38 through verse 42. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. I'm sure most of you have read this or heard this and, and heard many, many lessons taught from here. But let's look together at uh, chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. We read, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Our Father, how humbled we are to stand in your presence today and with the knowledge, Lord, that you care about us, that you love us, and that you are concerned about our well-being, and that you are concerned about every aspect of our life. We are just so humbled by that, and we're so thankful for that also. And now, Father, I pray that you would use this time and that you would use the, the words that I will speak to help your children learn and understand how to, how to prioritize their life so that they might glorify you in every way and that they might serve you to the fullest thank you for the time we have together holy spirit i pray that you would instruct us now and we yield ourselves to you for it's in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated i recall a day in america when sunday was the lord's day it mattered not your denominational affiliation when i was a boy sunday was revered and honored uh, as a day of worship to God. And I'm sure those of you who are older than me could say the same thing. Stores were closed on Sunday. Construction plants and mills would close their doors and send their employees home. They didn't work on Sundays. Only the police and the hospital employees uh, were open for business. It was a much simpler time then it was a time when things were in a much greater perspective. As a nation, we had the right priorities. God, country, home. And this right perspective helped to keep everything in proper order. There just seemed, things just seemed to run more smoothly then. We had less in wealth and and technology and resources, but we were happier. And this, I believe, is because we had more of what we needed and less of what we do not need. The advancements that we have seen over the last 50 years, the prosperity we have amassed, the, the greed that has become normal life, these things have serve to deaden our sensitivity to the things that our forefathers deemed valuable. Things such as God. Men have become desensitized to God. Things such as family, 
such a breakdown in family today. Things such as honesty. I told my wife recently watching an advertisement on television, whatever happened to truth in advertisement? Such dishonesty in, 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 in those things. And, and integrity. People have no more integrity. They don't seem to care. These, these no longer matter to, to, to many people today. They've been replaced by an insatiable lust for the material things of this world. And in this lustful fury, I fear we have lost sight of the most important things. I read a story this week that somewhat illustrates this, this loss of what's important in our hearts. Clovis Chapel, a minister from a century back, used to tell the story of two paddle boats. They left, they left Miss Memphis about the same time. Tell you, it's terrible. I can't see. Traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans, as they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the snail's pace of the other. Words were exchanged, challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared through the deep south. One boat began falling behind. Not enough fuel, said the captain. There had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough for a race. As the boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the ovens. When the other sailors saw that the supplies burned as well as the coal, they fueled their boat with the material that they had been assigned to transport. They ended up winning the race but burned their cargo. God has entrusted cargo to us, too. Our children, our spouses, our friends. Our job is to do our part in seeing that this cargo reaches its destination. Yet when the program takes priority over people, people often suffer. How much cargo do we sacrifice in order to achieve the number one slot? How many people never reach the destination because of the aggressiveness of competition? Now, do not suppose me to judge anyone today. I'm not up here today to judge any of you. Rather, I leave the judgment to God and his word. However, as the old saying goes, if the shoe fits... Wear it. So as we speak this morning, as we go through this, this message, if, if God speaks to your heart, if some of this applies to you, then my, my admonition to you today is fix it. Fix it. Our scripture this morning highlights two sisters, Mary and Martha. These two ladies are the sisters of Lazarus. The same Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead in John chapter 11. And in a parallel verse, what we read is John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we read, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus uh, was, was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. They made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. 
Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, as I just said, this passage parallels the text verse we read from Luke just a moment ago. In Luke's account, we see the zealous service of Martha being emphasized. She was busy. She was making sure all things were perfect. Yet, she, the Bible says, is cumbered about. And that word cumbered means to be greatly distracted. She was distracted with cooking and cleaning and setting the table. She was so distracted with serving that she ignored the Lord, who was in the next room preaching. However, John gives us a different account. From, he gives us the same account, but from a different angle. Here, in John's account, we see the depth of Mary's worship. While Luke simply mentions that Mary sat at Jesus' feet, John elaborates upon her adoration and worship of the Lord. Notice uh, up on the screen in verses 2 and 3, there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed to the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. In this account, we can see that Mary was not simply sitting at Jesus' feet. Rather, we see that Mary was worshiping her Lord. She was offering him her praise. She was offering him her worship. She was offering him her adoration. And this, Jesus rightly pronounces as the better part. In fact, it is the priority, is it not? In Luke, we hear the admonition of the Lord given to Martha. In verses, chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, we read, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And in John, we also hear the Lord declare in John chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, Then said Jesus, to Martha, that is, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Now, from this, I can draw conclusions this morning. Now, as I already stated, I am not going to attempt to tell you how to prioritize your life today. However, I will make three statements that must be considered when establishing our priorities. So number one, the first thing when we prepare to establish our priorities, the first thing we have to remember is this. Number one, God is before all things. God is before all things. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, please, to Colossians chapter 1. Let's all turn together to the epistle of Paul to the, the Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. We read here, giving thanks unto the Father 
which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who, talking about Christ here, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now look at verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he, verse 17, is, what's that next word? I'm sorry? He is before all things. And by him all things consist. In the beginning, God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God. That says it all, doesn't it? There's none like our God. In Psalm 89, we read, And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. He is the creator of all things, we just read in verse 16, for by him were all things created. He is the creator of all things visible and he is the creator of all things invisible. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 we read, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He is the giver of life. He is the giver of life mortal. In Job chapter 33 and verse 4, we read, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. He is the giver of life immortal in John chapter 10 we read my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father are one. He is the giver of life mortal. He is the giver of life immortal. He is the creator of all things. He is the beginning of all things. And he will be the end of all things. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8 we read, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Again, we read in Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Christ is before all things. So this morning, as you... Decide what are the priorities in your life, what things are most important, what things deserve your greatest attention. Just remember this, God is before all things. Then 
Secondly, this morning, when determining your priorities, remember this, that being busy does not supersede worship. In Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, we read it already. We'll read it again. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. In other words, Martha, you're very busy. You're really, really busy, Martha. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I need to stress here that the Lord did not condemn the work Martha was doing. He didn't say, you're doing bad things, Martha. He simply stated that there were more important things that needed to be done. Um, Could we agree to disagree this morning what place the work of the ministry takes in our list of priorities? Uh, Some would place it second only to God. I've known people that said the, the ministry is second only to God. Some place it third behind one's family. Still others would place it low in their list of priorities. However, wherever you place the work of the Lord in your list of priorities... I don't think that anyone here this morning would argue with me that God in our worship of him is first in importance. After all, it was the very first commandment given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Turn with, let's all turn together to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to do some turning to scriptures this morning and tonight. So it'll give you a chance to familiarize yourself with the Bible. Exodus chapter 20. And I'd like to begin reading at verse number 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Very first commandment, wasn't it? And listen, by the way, anything that we would elevate in importance above God becomes our God. If God is to have the first place in our life, then anything we would elevate above him becomes our God. And this is supported by commandment number four in the list, which is found beginning at verse 8. Let's look together at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Oh, we say, well, God is the most important thing to me, but, but yet we push him aside so we can go and do what we want to do on his day. Doesn't look like he's most important to you, to me. How do you think my wife would feel if I said, well, you're important to me, Honey, but I'm going to bring this other woman in the house for an hour or two. You mind that? You think my wife would accept that? No. 
She wouldn't accept that. But we expect God to accept that in our lives because we find other things to do on his day. Go to the lake, go to the beach, family reunions. Look, I love family reunions, but it's not going to happen on Sunday. Not as far as I'm concerned. What is the response of men today? Oh, I'm, I'm too busy to go to church on Sunday. Sunday, I've heard people say, Sunday's the only day I have off. So we do things as a family. I got news for you. Sunday's the only day I have off too. And I really don't even have that off. <laughs> Others say, well, I have something that's just too important. And, and, and God will understand. Well, I'm here to tell you, he, he doesn't understand. I'm sorry. He is not going to understand. He's not going to accept it. You're going to stand before him with your flimsy little excuses, and God's going to just push him aside, and he's not going to understand. How do you expect him to understand when he gave everything, everything for you, and you withhold from him his day? I know this is very cliche, but there's an old saying, and it goes like this. If you are too busy for God, you are too busy. If you're too busy to be in church on Sunday, then you need to scale back your life and take it easy a little bit more and slow down. Martha, as we discussed earlier, was too distracted by what was going on around her to focus on who was in the other room. But more than that, she felt justified in what she was doing. And this is evidenced by her demonstrative statement to the Lord. And in Luke chapter 10 and verse 40, when she said, uh, we read, But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? I mean, she got very demonstrative with Christ. She felt totally justified in what she was doing. And matter of fact, she was so mad about it, she went out there to, to, to tell Jesus he needed to tell Mary to get in there and help her. Martha's priorities were misplaced. She put being busy ahead of adoration and worship. And this reminds me of King Saul. You remember the story of King Saul. God told Saul to, to go to Amalek and, and to kill everything, everyone. Don't keep anything alive. He wanted it all to be, to be destroyed. And I'm not here today to talk about the politics of that. But God gave Saul a commandment, and Saul went, and Saul killed all the men, but he, he kept the women alive, and he kept some of the, the children alive, and he kept some of the goats and the sheep and all that other stuff to make an offering unto the Lord. And we, on the scene comes Samuel, and in 1 Samuel 15, 22, we read, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And listen to me. Some people, it isn't that they're doing bad things on the Lord's day. It doesn't matter if they're doing good things or bad things. What matters is they, you must obey the Lord. The Lord demands obedience before sacrifice. I've seen people that will come to church and, and they'll tip God. And, and in a manner of speaking, stand there and say, boy, God's lucky that I'm here today. But they fail to understand that being busy for God does not equal total and complete submission to God 
and his sovereignty. So when we're establishing our priorities, we need to remember that that God is before all things. We need to remember that sacrifice and being busy is not, does not replace our worship. And then thirdly, you need to remember this. The right priority places Christ in the center of my life. In Luke 10, 39, we read, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You see, Mary is the one who had her priorities in order. When it came time to decide what was the most important thing to do, Mary sat at Jesus' feet. I mean, she got as close to him as she could. You know, if you sit and someone sits at your feet, there, there, there's nothing between you and them. There's no one has, no one can get in there, can they? I mean, you know, if someone sits right at your feet, they're just, that's as close as you can get. There was no one or nothing between Mary and the Lord. Her entire life, was centered on Christ. Now, preparing a good meal for Jesus, that was important. And that was a good thing at the proper time. And making sure everything was in order was important at the proper time. But when the Lord was speaking, when Jesus was there to speak to his children, Food was far less important. Cleaning would just have to wait. Now, allow me to turn my attention to us this morning. As you sit here, let me ask you a question. Are you a Martha? Or are you a Mary? Are you like Martha this morning? Are you cumbered about? Are you distracted? Do you have things in your life that draw your attention away from the Lord and and away from from making him the priority in every moment of every day of your life? Do the affairs of life draw your attention away from the most important of things? Are you involved in things that put Jesus in another room in your life? And again, as I said, these things may not be evil things. However, if they draw us away from God and take the priority over him, then they have become our God. Are you a Martha this morning? Or are you a Mary? Do you have the opinion that other things can wait? I will sit at the feet of Jesus. I will worship him. I will adore him. I will obey him. He will have the priority in my life at every moment. I will feast upon his word. God is the priority in my life. Everything I do, whether it be my job, whether it be entertainment, whether it be vacation, whether it be sports, whether it be acquaintances, whether it be, it be anything at all, I will place Christ in the center of my life first and foremost. And all these other things, they'll just have to get in line behind him.
but there will be nothing between me and my God. Are your priorities right this morning? We have enough members of this church that every Sunday morning, every pew, every pew should be full. We have enough members in this church that we shouldn't be able to fit everyone up here that wants to be in the choir. Our children's classes should be full. Our nursery, those poor ladies in there should be in tears. We have enough members of this church. The problem is, and I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning because you're here. The problem is our priorities. We put other things before the Lord. And they're not bad things. They're just not as important as the Lord. And the Lord should be the first. You have, do you have things in your life? Do you have things in your life that need to take a back seat to Jesus? Then get it right. Holy Spirit's pulling at your heart today saying, let's, let's get things prioritized here. Let's get the right order in our lives. And by the way, if you put God first, you'll find out that everything else takes care of itself. Let, let your day when you wake up start with Jesus and put everything else behind him. And like I said, I'm not going to tell you how to prioritize your life. I've got my own order of importance th- and, and things, but you have to decide that for yourself. But I am here to tell you, if Jesus isn't in the front, you, you've got the wrong thing first. Let's pray. Our Father, America has shoved you to the back of the bus. As a nation, we've pushed you back and we don't even realize it sometimes. But Father, this morning, my desire, my my prayer is that, Holy Spirit, you would help me to make sure that Jesus is in the front of everything I do. That Jesus is the first priority in my life. That's my prayer today. And Holy Spirit, if there be any in this room that needs to make changes in their lives and decisions, I pray that you would deal with them. And I pray that they would yield to you, submit to you. I can only imagine what we could do in this place if, if all of your children put you first and prioritize their lives behind you. So I'm asking now that I'm praying that you will deal with our hearts. Thank you for the time we've had together. I pray that Christ would have been glorified in everything that was said. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for this. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.